2: Hey, it's e sparky 5 for 12.50 a.m. The Fan, 55 past the hour, time for another Milwaukee Sports Time Out. Uh, You've probably had some sort of flavored cream cold brew by now because, well, they're delicious. But Frosty has entered the chat and is just about to shake up the world of cold brews just like it did desserts. Available in vanilla, caramel, and chocolate. Wendy's new Frosty Cream Cold Brew is a morning maker. What's other post-lunch pick-me-ups down and down bad. Frosty Cream Cold Brew today at a participating uh, Wendy's. Uh, and let's talk about the horrible Green Bay Packers because, let's face facts, they are horrible uh, at this point with our guy Paul Brettel from the Packer Wire. You can follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L. Um, B-R-E-T-L. I saw an interesting thing from Peter Bukowski uh, earlier today from Lockdown Packers that suggested that Matt LaFleur is simply overextended by having to worry about Joe Barry's defense. An inexperienced offensive coordinator to Amsenevich Butkus at offensive line coach—that's been a disaster as well, Uh, and that maybe he has too much on his plate, and that has to be revisited as far as making changes on this coaching staff under Matt Lafleur going forward next season. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think that makes a a ton of sense. Honestly, I mean, if we think about the the football team in itself, like like an organization, like a business, you know, Matt Lafleur is the CEO; he's running the operations and just like any business, you know, if the CEO is spending all of his or her time in one department, say with the sales team, for example, they're not going to have the same uh, scope of control over the other areas of that team. And from the football perspective of it, Matt LaFleur, he's consistently spending a lot of his time on the game plan. He's talked about how he spends a lot of his time in the quarterback room with Jordan Love and with Aaron Rodgers prior to this season. So there are a number of other facets that obviously goes into what we see on Sunday that he is you know entrusting uh, the the other members of the coaching staff the other members of the organization to deliver that message correctly and obviously there's a huge disconnect right now i mean we we hear Matt Ausler talk about how they go through the week how they have these these strong practices but that is obviously not carrying over to the field and the truly concerning part of it go back and look at the Minnesota game that that opening drive there was the, you know, Rashid Walker was uh, downfield on an RPO. Uh, Josh Myers, John Runyon missed missed an opening block. I mean, there's just a litany of errors early on in the game. And that's supposed to be the scripted stuff. That's supposed to be the game plan, the the aspects of it that this offense has worked on all week. And so there's a disconnect in between what Matt Lafleur is asking these guys to do and what they're doing and what's taking place on the football field. And this isn't to, you know, put all the blame on Matt LaFleur. There are a number, there are so many factors right now that are contributing to the, the overall issues that we're seeing from this Packers team. But I do think him taking a step back, taking more, again, of that CEO approach that, uh, you know, from, from the angle of having, you know, being a part of all facets of this football team is really what is needed right now.
2: So how much blame, in your opinion, falls on the position coaches when their position stinks? I ask because I've not seen anybody on social media or anybody in any type of written articles questioning Jason Vrabel as wide receivers coach. The fact that you have continuous mistakes week in and week out where there are several plays where receivers are running the wrong routes or not knowing. I saw one play on uh, Twitter X, whatever the heck they call it, earlier today at Vikings game where clearly the wide receivers thought it was going to be a run play, didn't run a route. Jordan Love's about to get killed and he looked to make a quick throw to the right, but that those wide receivers on the right side, again, weren't running any routes until they realized it was supposed to be a pass and they all took off running. That, that type of stuff is inexcusable. You've had installation back in the OTAs or whatever else. Then you had training camp. All of these guys played a lot in preseason, so it's not like they don't have a lot of experience at this point as far as playing games. You're halfway done with an NFL season. You should know the damn playbook by this point.
1: Yeah, the, the miscues that we're seeing take on take place on Sunday right now, like even with a young team, even with the youngest team in the NFL, like these are not regular mistakes that that happen across the league if if you watch other games. Receivers, especially at this point in the season, are not in you know, running the absolute wrong routes. They're not uh as out of whack as this Green Bay Packers offense is. There is a massive disconnect. Is it going is it from Matt LaFleur to Jason Vrabel, for example, in terms of what he wants to implement and how he wants to implement it is there a disconnect there and then Vrabel's not relaying it correctly does Vrabel understand what Matt LaFleur wants to do and is not uh you know teaching the receivers the correct aspect of it and also to a degree like this is on the players as well yes they're a young team but they are professionals they need to know what their assignments are and how to execute on them that doesn't mean that it's going to be perfect every time but like I said the, the mistakes that are being made right now are not common, even for a young team. From top to bottom, this is this is an absolute failure right now from what we're seeing from the, the Packers offense.
2: So, Paul Bretel again of Packers Wire. Follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Bretel. Paul, I'd I, I like a further explanation because uh, of this Packers offensive line. At halftime of that Raider game, I tweeted out that there's no reason. Uh, that they should not have Yash Nyman at left tackle in the second half of that game against Max Crosby. Because even if he stunk, at least you tried something. At least we're not doing the same thing over and over again. And it took till this last game for them finally to put Yash Nyman in. He makes a mistake and he yanks Nyman like he's been the guy playing horrible this whole time during the season. It made absolutely no sense to take him out of that game after they put him in. And now LaFleur says, well, pretty much it's an open competition at left tackle. Well, it's about damn time. This should have been figured out a long time ago with Rasheed Walker.
1: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first 3 orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
2: struggling at left tackle.
1: Yeah. I mean, coming into the season, we all, we all thought that the offensive line was going to be the strength of this, this offense, something that they'd be able to lean on to have a run game that Jordan Love would have time in the pocket. And really since that third game against New Orleans, that hasn't been the case whatsoever over the previous three games, Jordan Love has been pressured on about 40% of his dropbacks, which is the ninth highest rate in, in the NFL, obviously not having David Bakhtiari hurts, but you know, Elton Jenkins has not been playing at that pro bowl, all pro level that we've, that we've come to expect from him. Uh, Josh Myers continues to be incredibly inconsistent. John Runyon has, you know, might might be the, the worst of the bunch so far in terms of performance overall this season. And Zach Tom, to his credit, has played well, but the collective uh, play of the offensive line has not been up to par whatsoever. And to your point, the only real uh, reasoning that I can make behind their logic in terms of wanting to stick with Rasheed Walker is that this is ultimately an evaluation year for them. It doesn't look like whatsoever that Yash Nyman, who's in his final year, or in his only one year of his current contract is going to be a part of future plans. So again, the the guess on my part is that they just want to get Rashid Walker as much experience as possible. Kind of like what their plan was this whole off season and season with the receiver position to hopefully expedite the learning curve. But to your point, the The downside of that is his level of play as of late. He has the fifth most penalties among offensive tackles. He's one of uh, pro football Focus's lowest graded run blockers. He struggled in pass protection. And there just is a massive negative trickle-down effect to Jordan Love, to the rest of the offense, and not just solely because of Walker, but the collective play of the offensive line unit. Jordan Love said after Sunday's game when asked about his decisiveness. And that was one of the aspects of his game from the summer that really impressed me the most, his, his ability to know when to fit the ball into a tight window, when to push it downfield, when to hold on to it and go through his progressions. And we saw that early on in the season, but that decisiveness has been zapped from him. And he even acknowledged that after the Minnesota game. And there's a number of factors for that. The receivers aren't helping, you know, drops failing contested catches, not being in the right spot. The offensive line isn't helping either, uh, especially with their performance and pass protection over the last several weeks. So yes, I get why, again, from gaining an experience standpoint with your eye on the future, why you'd want to see Rasheed Walker out there over Yash Naiman. But we are, like you said, well past the point of where changes needed to happen because it's affecting your quarterback. And with all the chaos going on around Jordan Love right now, I'm not sure how the Packers are even going about evaluating uh, where he's at, what he can accomplish. And if things around him don't get better, he's not going to have the opportunity to improve and show what he has the the potential to do. And the worst place that the Packers can be after this season is kind of stuck in that middle, that no man's land. If they know Jordan loves the guy, if things turn around, that's great. You can start building around him. If he's not the guy, Obviously not ideal, but you at least have a direction. You can target a quarterback in the draft. You can go down a different path. But if you're in this kind of in-between of, is he the guy, is he not the guy? You're stuck in that NFL no man's land. And that's the worst place to be because you don't have a direction. You do not have a path at that point.
2: Time with Paul Brettle again every time we do a 55 Milwaukee Sports Timeout is brought to you by the Pottawatomi Sportsbook. Go bet on all your favorite sports 24-7. Enjoy over 70 self-service kiosks, wall-to-wall TVs, free parking, great food, and a full bar. Bet big, bet bold. Learn more at PaysBig.com. In my opinion, Brian Goodenkunst knew going into this season, Paul, what he was doing. He knew damn right well, as did Mark Murphy. They were all in on this together, giving them no experience whatsoever. He was willing to take a huge step backwards for them all to grow together and move forward. In his mind, I believe he's already made up his mind that Jordan Love is the guy, uh, and he's going to extend him after this year is my guess. And if I was guessing, he'll get somewhere in the area of middle-of-the-pack money, You know, maybe $15 million a year, $18 million a year, for another three or four years after next year. They'll pay him now uh, and just essentially tell everybody that, hey, this was going to be a growing year. We told you it was going to be a growing year. That's why we had all these young guys. We had no vets because we wanted them to learn on the job. They did that, and now we expect to jump going into year two of this process. The problem I have with it is, because David Bakhtiari is probably not going to be on this team, Rasheed Walker is clearly not an answer, that first pick is going to have to be an offensive tackle. I think you're going to have to draft another offensive tackle relatively early, second or third round, so you can eventually move Tom probably into center or guard, one or the other. Uh, and then you're going to need running backs because I can't imagine Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are back. So next year, yes, those receivers and tight ends will have another year of experience, but you'll still have rookies at other meaningful positions on offense, which will still make everybody's job difficult.
1: Yeah, that's spot on. This, you know, this this 2024 season isn't the only uh, you know bump in the road, so to speak, that the Packers gonna ha- are going to have to go through. This is going to be what, you know, especially with what we've seen unfold so far at a minimum a a two-year turnaround period, you know, with it looking like 2025 being the soonest that this team could get back into competing. And when I say competing, I mean, at least for a playoff spot, you know, at, at that time and and doing so consistently, not to say they can't manage their way there next year, but that kind of looks like the trajectory that they're on. But going back to your, your point about Brian Gudekins just relying so heavily on the young receivers, you know, that was, that was absolutely a gamble on his, on his part in terms of putting, that lack of experience around his first time starting quarterback and really everything in addition to that has gone wrong for this team. We talked about the offensive line and that being a staple, something they could lean on uh, this season. And that hasn't been there. Aaron Jones has been injured. That, uh, that element hasn't been there. And Matt LaFleur hasn't, you you know, he hasn't adapted the offense well enough, obviously to, what he has to work with at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of, we don't see the same amount of motion that I, get, I that I expected coming into the season. There's pre-snap motion. And then there's motion with the intent of getting the defense to do something. And that latter portion is what is, what is missing right now. There's a lot of longer developing routes, forcing Jordan love to go through multiple, multiple progressions before getting rid of the football. And yes, is that a part of the game? Absolutely. Does he have to uh, continue to get refined in that aspect? Of course but you have an offense that cannot execute right now on the simple details. Things need to be taken, you know, back a few notches. That illusion of complexity that Matt LaFleur talked about so often when he first arrived in Green Bay. Like we haven't seen that. My hope was that coming out of the bye week, it was going to be a reset uh, point for them to a degree, take a step back, get back to the core elements of what the LaFleur offense wants to accomplish, utilizing motion, bunch sets, Uh, running a variety of plays from just a few personnel packages, but we aren't seeing that. We're seeing a very static offense where receivers are asked to go win their one-on-one matchups with longer developing routes uh, behind an offensive line that's been struggling in pass protection. Like, like we've talked about, it's, there's just so many issues. And that's the really frustrating part of this is you can't just pinpoint one or two things and say, all right, here's what we got to focus on. It's everything, every single play. There's a new player who is not, executing properly and it's not just a small misstep there's a lot of big time whiffs coming across the across the field from all 11 players on this Packers team and when you're trying to narrow down how to fix that obviously that becomes so much more challenging the Packers they're just really really in a tough spot right now
2: last question I said before the season seven to nine wins clearly that's not happening how many wins do you think they get between now and the end of the season
1: if I were to guess right now I would I'll go with five Um, I, I know the, the schedule, at least from who they're playing, you know, there, there's some opportunity out there on paper anyways. Although as we've seen, that doesn't, doesn't mean a whole lot at this point. So I'll, I'll take a swing, hope that they, that they start to progress a little bit. And that's the big thing for Packers fans out there. Uh, we need to put the wins and losses aside at the end of the day. Like if they finish with three wins, but we see progression from this, this team moving forward, we see something that they can continue to build off week to week. That's way more valuable than getting six or seven wins at this time. That's really what we need to see from this team. And the, the discouraging aspect is just the regression that's take place. They are going backwards from week to week. And the fact that it's the same mistakes over and over again, unfortunately tells us that a solution is probably not close by.
2: He is Paul Brettle and follow him on Twitter at Paul underscore Brettle. B R E T L. He writes for the Packers Wire. You can follow them on Twitter at the Packers Wire. Paul, thanks so much for coming. I will have to do it again sometime. Appreciate it, Sparky.